Hey, everybody, and welcome back to College Football Uncensored. I'm your co-host, Tyler Huck, and yeah, with me, as always, better. my other co-host, Chris Marler. How you doing, Chris? Let's start saying domestic partner. Okay. Well, we can do that if you want. It's 2021. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, man. It was a, a fun, long weekend of spring games. We've been talking about how there's been nothing to talk about uh, for most of the initial what 10 episodes of our podcast but now we have spring games so it's time to not only talk about football but also grossly overreact to what we saw on saturday it's a hot take sunday for you um yeah it was funny because just to kind of um illustrate kind of where our lives are at at this point i get a text from you late late friday night it's 11 40 (laughs) i've been asleep already uh, that said, hey, man, can't wait to watch these games tomorrow. It's going to be great. Obviously, I didn't respond, sleeping. And um, woke up the next day, all fired up to watch the games, put my daughter down for a nap, saddled in to watch Bama's game, and fell asleep like 20 minutes in. <laughs> it took like a, I mean, an hour so, nap. Well, good for you. <laughs> so um, I had to watch, I had to watch uh, Bama and Georgia on uh, replay. But Well, at least she did it. Um, yeah. I was honestly like, I don't get – I used to get super pumped for the spring game, like, like in the – beginning of the Saban era like for Bama ones because there was that that whole like little five to ten year window where a couple of teams that usually have like the biggest asshole fan bases like Bama Nebraska I think Georgia did it one year it's like we sold out the spring game you see that nine three thousand spring game practice that's that's how good our fans are I'm like no you bragging about it is, is how awful your fans are yeah um but I used to get like really excited about it and then I don't know. It kind of like lose its luster. And now, now um, I don't know what happened this year because remember they used to have a bunch of them on TV, like ESPN, ESPN two. And like, like it, they wouldn't all be on ESPN, but like the big names would be. And I remember last year they, they made it a point on SC network to have every single spring game televised at some point. Right. I, I turned on yesterday and there was like, I guess, softball on multiple SEC <laughs> network channels and you had to stream it um, off ESPN. So that was kind of frustrating. Um, and the fact that they, they slotted them all right next to each other, like they all started within an hour window of each other, which really yeah. pissed me off. Made it difficult. Yeah. But other than that, it was a great weekend. Um, remember, go follow us on Twitter at CFB underscore uncensored. Go get those five-star reviews in on Apple. One thing we wanted to mention we haven't forgot about you guys. Kevin Brown and Chris Moss won the bracket challenge for the NCAA tournament. We got to get through the cool. NFL draft here, and after that, we will uh, get you guys on the pod for winning or co-winning the bracket this year. We have domestic a- partnership winning. Everyone gets early March Madness bracket. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, but and, and I felt bad too because like Chris actually reached out. I was like, yeah, man, just wrapping up some work on Friday. Like, I'll, I'll get back at you in like an hour, and. Like four, like four or five hours later, I was still making graphics. So, um, yeah, but we haven't forgot. Uh, we will, we will definitely do that soon. And then, um, but yeah, like, like you said, it was, it was kind of a fun weekend. I didn't get a nap in, so I'm jealous of that. But like, it was good to turn on the TV and have football on again for one, and to have like familiar people like Tom Hart and Jordan Rogers and Cole Kublik back on like broadcast made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. It was, it was good to see them. Um, yeah, I mean the naps are coming in clutch right now. I think you know. 
<laughs> I was trying to segue into the, the, the game <laughs> yeah. talk, but yeah, no, let's talk yeah. about naps. I love let's naps. Talk about, let's talk about naps. No, let's get into it. SG21, as coined by you. I didn't yeah, understand I didn't what that meant at first. <laughs> I didn't, did people, didn't they used to say in college, like, oh, SB, like spring break, like SB08. We, we, yeah, definitely. Maybe it was just my awful group that went on spring break 2008 and had like 23 of us stay in a three bedroom house. But, um, where do we want to start? Yeah. Where do we want to start? All right. I want to start with like a, probably the team that the entire country was watching this weekend and had like maybe the, the best reviews out of everyone. Like, I mean, the eyes of the nation were in Nashville this weekend. Oh, okay. Nashville. <laughs> so let's start with Vandy. <laughs> yeah. So it was a little difficult to see what was going on considering they didn't wear numbers on their jerseys. <laughs> Wait. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Okay, so here let's let's just start by saying how like I understand that we're all huge college football fans and we love we love the sport and, and we love the teams. The SEC is passion to sell, all that kind of stuff. We said it last week. We wanted to do the NFL draft or the spring camp stuff, and like everyone was like spring spring ball, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. this even a fucking question. Anyway, there are some things about spring ball that really piss me off and make it so frustrating to watch because you're excited for football, but then they like add in all these fucking like little league T-ball rules that are all different from school to school because like coaches trying to do basically too much, but like implement something with their team. Like, you know, we're not keeping score. We're just, we're, we're going to keep track of, you know, wins and losses. Fundamentals. Fundamentals. Uh, yeah. And if you tune in late, if you tune in late to one of these games and you don't know the scoring system, you like I wasn't. Thank God I wasn't high or drinking. Not that I do the first one, but, um, <laughs> but like I tune into Vandy like seven or eight minutes late, and I'm looking at the score. I'm like, it's ten to one. What the <laughs> fuck is happening? Like it's, it's so, and I, I'm trying to get caught up. I can't find like the scoring system or whatever, and and I'm also confused because I know Clark Lee is a new coach. He's a he's a defensive minded coach. He's the DC at uh, at Notre Dame. Next thing I know, it's seventeen to two. Which means the team with two points scored twice. And I had no fucking idea what was happening. And then at one point, I finally just, I, I got up and like walked away. I was like, oh, you know what? I can't fucking watch this anymore. Because I, it was like right before halftime, one of the teams was up 45 to 14 and scored a touchdown. And I swear to God, both teams got points. And I was like, I can't do this. I have no <laughs> fucking clue what's going on. Yeah, so the scoring system was a little weird. You, you had, you know, obviously six points for touchdowns, but then you would get like three points for a takeaway or a three and out. You get one point for a sack or a tackle for loss, which is why they had, you know, 10 to one at one point. If you get a stop, you get two points. So, yeah, I think that one of the final scores, the team had like 78 points. It, so it was 68 to 30. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was also 51 to 18, classic score. Just a classic 51 to 18 battle. Uh, from Nashville, but it, it was weird too because, I mean, if you watch Vanderbilt football last year, I mean, first off, yeah, pro- last year, but but like Vanderbilt was the worst offensive team in the conference for sure, maybe the country. They were awful. I mean, they were awful, and you see this, I guess, explosion <laughs> like yeah. of offense in the first half, and um, there were some like honestly, there were some really positive takeaways, and I I, I did come away impressed with. Like, I mean, I'm not going to hate on the defense in Vandy because, again, it's a spring game. Whatever looks right. good also looks bad. But the hires that Clark Lee made, like the receivers coach and, and offensive coordinator, um, what was his name? David Rye, I think, from uh, he was the receivers coach for the Arizona Cardinals. And that was like, like a, he made it a point to hire people with NFL experience on his coaching staff. And he wants to create this culture where 
we're getting players that want to go play in the NFL, not just come to Vandy to get a free education and all that kind of stuff and, and get their brains beat in 51 to 18. I'm off to a great start. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, like not often, I feel like to you, you watch like one specific unit, especially for a team that's that bad and come away like, wow, they've, they've like really, really improved since this new hire, but those receivers who returned four or five stars from last year, you had yeah. a kid. Um, what was his name? Will Shepard, the receiver. Yeah. He, three he was incredible. Yeah. Three, three touchdowns in the first half. He had, he yeah. had two total catches last year. <laughs> um, they might have a little bit of a quarterback controversy on their hands now with uh, Mike Wright. He looked pretty decent. So, I mean, how many points did he have? Can see he like 64 points. <laughs> <laughs> he had a thousand and thirty-eight completion percentage. His batting <laughs> average, by the way, off the charts. Yeah, but uh, you know, Ken Seals was the QB last year in all nine games. Uh, Mike Wright looks like at least he's a dual threat. So if the line yeah. breaks down, which it likely will at Vandy, um, <laughs> at least maybe he can escape. He looked like he was a pretty quick guy. So interesting stuff for Vandy. The defense needs a little bit of work, but as you said in the spring. If your offense really looks good, you could get excited, but only so much because that means that your right. defense doesn't look good. So it's tough to tell in the spring. Defense, you would hope, would be ahead of the offense at this point of uh, camp. So maybe they got a little bit to worry about. But Clark Lee's a defensive guy. Um, <laughs> I cleaned my computer. It's disgusting. You know, honestly, I wrote down all my notes about this game now that I'm, like, saying them out loud. I thought they would be interesting because I was so shocked at, like, every single turn. But it's probably just – you know, to people that do their jobs professionally and like already knew all these things going into the spring game. Like, like I just was like astounded at the Clark Lee information because if you know Clark Lee or any of his background, right. He's a, he was a former fullback at Vandy and he looks like a fullback. Hard nose bulldog mentality. He's bald (laughs) and he looks like he's built from like from iron uh, or stone. And he, he, um, he was a full and everyone knows fullbacks make the best coaches. Right. Because they just right. they know all the they know everything <laughs> about football um, yeah. <laughs> and not just like exploding through a linebacker's face mask three yards in front of him. But I'm like, I'm looking up his like his, you know, bio or whatever. And it says he started out at Birmingham Southern playing baseball. Powerhouse. What? No. <laughs> and, and then transferred to Belmont. So he didn't even play football his first two years of college. This dude was like, listen, I like I, I'm a fucking phenomenal athlete. I'm a catcher for, for two division three schools, but I'm all, or I think they're actually division one, but then he just decided to go to Vanderbilt and then it didn't and quit baseball all of a sudden and became a fullback. I, I mean, good for, he's like the most interesting man in the world or at least I can't tell. You don't seem interested at all in the story that I, I came up with. <laughs> hey man, the guy, he just, he, um, he knows adversity when it comes his way and he rises above. That's what you need at Vandy. You're just saying all the coach speak. <laughs> what else am I going to do? That's fair. Um, all right. Should we should we go to the two top teams in the league, or should we skip around a little bit here? I just regret opening with Vandy. We should have done the fucking nap segment. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about Georgia, because I think that was the one we both came away the most impressed with. Yeah, man. Georgia, um, this, is, uh, this has got to be their year, I think. And look, every year is their year. So that, I don't say that tongue-in-cheek, though. I think this – they finally, ha- I think, has a, have a QB – that can put it all together. Um, their receivers look phenomenal, uh, even without Told you. Pickens. Yeah, yeah. and, and you, you were the first to say it on the podcast. I was Kyrus Jackson. Yeah, Kyrus Jackson. Um, and then this freshman kid, 
Um, the kid from Texas. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Adane Mitchell. He was a, he was only yeah. a three star coming out of high school, uh, but seven catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Looked phenomenal. We just talked about uh, Demetrius Robinson a few weeks ago. I was hard on him yeah. saying, "Where have you been? You were supposed to be this stud out of Cal. 88 yards, long touchdown in the game. Darnell mm-hmm. Washington. <laughs> it's mean, about fucking time. I mean, like like, and he looked. Darnell Washington has like a 59 yard touchdown catch, and he did. I think it was a touchdown, or maybe it was just short. Regardless, it's everything you think a 6'8", 280-pound tight end would he's the do. Best, he's the best-looking 280-pounder I've ever seen in my life. How does that? How is he 280 pounds? He looks like he's 250. Have you ever seen Kane? <laughs> the, I mean, the wrestler? Not an ounce of fat on him, bro. Still, re- still real to me, damn it. Um, no, but he, he's. it was hilarious watching that, that walk on DB. He tried to tackle him on that 59-yard play. <laughs> Yeah, um, if you missed it, uh, it was basically a guy that probably would have started for Georgia in the Ray Goff era, um, like Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp. But um, yeah, I mean, he like stiff arms, dude, and and like didn't. I mean, he didn't have like four, he's not like Kyle Pitts fast. He doesn't run like a four four or anything like that. I'm sure. But I mean, the kid is an absolute mismatch. And it, again, everything you think a six eight two hundred eighty pound tight end would be, that's what he that's what he looked like. It's about time they got him involved in the offense. And I, I tell you what, the the running game was the only thing that didn't look. I don't know, explosive. And that's purely yeah. because they're going up against what I think is the best interior defensive line in the entire country. And and that's that's what's gonna bring me to like my my first hot take, I guess, of the spring games. And that's like Georgia is I think you've heard in the past how they say this is their year. Um, you know, like they 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 can beat Bama, they can get over the hump, it's you know, whatever. I think this is the first year you can like actually say they are more talented than Alabama at a roster standpoint from the offensive skill positions. I'm not saying overall, I do think they have a higher overall score from like, you know, 24, seven, maybe, yeah. I don't know, but, and I'm not just talking about what we saw on Saturday, but from an offensive skill positions, like standpoint, they're deeper. And I think they're more talented and, and they're more experienced than Alabama this year. And in case in point, look at the quarterback position, Carson Beck looked great as, as a, as the number two quarterback. Vandergriff, that dude's huge. Got an awesome yeah. name. He's got awesome hair. It's kind of awesome. Okay, both of those things are factually incorrect. He's red hair, and his name's Brock Vandergriff. That's a, an incredible name. Are you kidding me? That name sounds like you're like. It sounds like the guys that stole that shit from Zuckerberg. <laughs> anyway, regardless, um, <laughs> yeah. So he'll be a great three um, and potential, you know, new DUI lawyer, just like sets him better at the fourth. But like the receiver, the receivers, the tight ends. They were good at so many different things on Saturday that like, and, and the biggest thing I came away with, it was not just like the explosiveness of those players. Cause it's not like in the past, we've always seen Georgia. They have one guy they've, they've got, um, why am I AJ green? You know, they, they have Pickens. they have, um, no who am I missing? Yeah, they have no Sean, <laughs> uh, but they've always had like, you know, that one guy is, I meant mainly at receiver, but yeah. They've never had this, like, I don't say stable of receivers, but like this receiving core is incredible. And they're all freak athletes. They, you know, they've got guys that run a 4-3, or you have a guy that's like also 6-8. And the biggest takeaway now is they look physically different than every other team I watched on Saturday. And I think every team that we're going to see in college football this year. I, and I, I mean, every team. They, they look like, look at Jalen Carter, the defensive lineman, who's a, who's a sophomore now playing next to Jordan Davis. I hate that saying, not an ounce of fat on him, 
But like anytime there's a fucking 300 something pound defensive lineman whose deltoids are showing, how, how is that a thing? There, so we talked about how they're going to need DB help because they lost so many guys. Tyke Smith obviously didn't play in this game. He's, he, he wasn't there yet, but part of it is just going to be, look, the D line is going to be so good that it's going to make your DBs fine. I mean, they're going to be inexperienced, but, and look, they, they, they have their ups and downs in this game. I mean, there was a lot of reps to be had. There was 87 passes thrown in this game. So yeah, you're going to get, weird. you're going to get burned every once in a while on those, but um you know, and then I think for them is finding that solid core on the O line, which I think they'll get figured out. They've yeah. got monsters on the on the along the along the line there, but you know they had a an okay day there. But uh, yeah, I mean the the backs looked incredible out of the backfield catching passes. Kendall Milton, so, man, Oof. yeah, they're they're going to be extremely good this year. I tell you what, I, this is a cliche, but like it really, I think it's true in this case, it's going to be hard, especially because Kirby is usually an idiot with how he handles this. So hopefully he'll hand the reins over to Munkin. It's going to be hard to figure out how to, how to like split these reps with everybody. Like who, who's yeah. going to be getting like, like these touches because you got a guy, Zamir white, who you could theoretically hand the ball off 30 times a game and just let him, let him eat. Same for James cook, really Kendall Milton can hurt you out of the backfield, you know, catching the football as well as running. And then you have, like I said, those receivers and tight ends, like, like Darnell Washington's a guy that I would target, Minimum five times a game. Dude, he, he lines up I don't know outside. If that's even feasible. What, he lines up outside, split out wide. What DB is going to be able to cover him at 6'7, 280 pounds? You're going to see a trend now in college football <laughs> where, just like the NBA of the late 90s, you're going to start seeing like the George Mirasons playing defensive back for some of these schools. <laughs> Can you just imagine George Mirasons <laughs> trying to turn his hips? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that'd be perfect. Um, hey, the, I think the big question here is, is who is Carson Beck going to win a national championship with in 2022? Yeah, there's no chance he stays there. Yeah. Um, and you got Gunnar Stockton. Like three more. You got Gunnar Stockton. By the way, the all-name competition next year, Gunnar Stockton yeah. versus Brock Vandegrift in an all-out battle to see whose dad owns a Tahoe dealership. Okay, so I just feel like you don't know the rules of that game because Brock Vandergriff is not a good name. It sounds like it, like he was born with like a fucking ascot instead of a, an umbilical cord. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, but no, I, I was really impressed with what Georgia did um, and and how they looked and uh, yeah. So it was it was uh, that was like the team that impressed me most throughout the day. Besides, not the team we're going to talk about next, but the team after that. So. Let's go over to Tuscaloosa. What did you think of Bryce Young? I thought he looked pretty good early. I'm, I was surprised. Uh, like, there, a lot of the negative feedback from it was that he um, he had, like, happy feet in the pocket. And I don't think that that was my biggest takeaway. I, I think there were times where he did look a little bit nervous in the pocket. Bama had 20 players out for this game, which was as soon as I read that on Twitter the morning of, I was like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> Like, yeah. I've been looking to this, look forward to this one game and 10 of them were starters and they, they had several offensive linemen out. So I think there's probably a reason he looks like he had happy feet in quotes, but also I think that's kind of how he plays. Like he, he's not yeah. a guy that's like going to just drop back and set his feet and, and throw the ball. He's not going to be like, you know, Tom Brady, Mac Jones, any of those kind of like those kind of quarterbacks. He's a guy that's does really well throwing the ball effortlessly on the run. And, yeah. and while moving, it's, it's a lot like Aaron Rodgers in that way. I'm not saying he's as good as Aaron Rodgers. I'm just saying, yeah. um, you know, so I think that'll be fine. I think that'll also potentially, um, it could lead to more mistakes if, if you know, that's like a ball security standpoint. 
but I thought they looked pretty good for the most part. Um, the one thing that I was looking forward to for the game was the defensive line. Cause all I've heard, you know, this entire spring is the defense has actually been the, like the, you know, they've stolen the show every single Saturday for these, these other scrimmages and uh, Chris Allen and, and Will Anderson off the edge have just been unstoppable. They've just been a, a nightmare and they were both out. So it's, it's hard to really judge how they looked, um, how the defense is going to look. I wouldn't say it didn't live up to the hype, but well, you know, on O-line, you're trying to replace Leatherwood, Dickerson, Deontay Brown. You had some injuries. Yeah. The O-line definitely looks like a work in progress. Um, it's Alabama, just like Georgia. It, they're going to figure it out. But th- I didn't yeah. see a ton of push in the run game. You know, I, I felt like they – I don't think I've ever ball. seen that in a Bama spring game, though. That's probably true. I mean, the pass pro was all right. But to your point, you know, more more so than Mac Jones, perhaps, you know, Bryce Young's game is suited for being, you know, out of the pocket – throwing on the run. So that's right. maybe not as big of an issue as if you had Mac Jones returning. And I'll tell you, first off, we're going to stop the Mac Jones slander. But I'll tell you what um, was also somewhat, uh, I wouldn't even say impressive or, or good to see, but it was almost more of a relief, I think, for me and, and most Bama fans, was they really, you could see that like Bill O'Brien kind of catered his play calling to those strengths, like right off the bat for, for Bryce for Bryce Young. It was not, I was, I was a little bit worried that a guy with his, resume um was going to come in and be like listen we're running my offense like brian dayball was is a great offensive coordinator for buffalo bills mm-hmm. he was not a good offensive coordinator at bama because he wanted to do things his way and it not it didn't really fit with some of the players they had i i enjoyed and i was very happy to see that he he did not uh do that in his first first uh public test the receivers, the young receivers, um, you know, you knew that you'd have to have to get some guys step up. You know, Mechie wasn't in this game, right? He didn't play. And then no. obviously you lose Waddle and Devontae. But uh, Ajay Hall, or uh, I think that's how you say his name, he looks like an absolute beast. I texted you that this weekend. Like, that guy looks like an absolute player. All three yeah. of these guys. Ajay Hall, Corey Brooks, and Christian Leary, all from Florida. I think those are going to be the next three guys that step in. You got Slade Bolden, obviously. Okay, first off, Treshawn Holden, he led the team in receptions that day with a nine for, I think he had nine for 98, um, and I believe a touchdown. But, yeah, you're right. And, like, and there was some of the younger talent they had that are that – are, that incoming freshman class is very, very um, – they should be very, very talented, right? They're, they were all ranked very highly uh, coming out of, out of high school. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to what we saw with Ruggs and Judy in that, in that group. But from a talent standpoint and a ranking standpoint, it's – it's similar coming out of high school. Um, the thing that I was, I was surprised and um, you know, to see actually kind of unfold and be true is Cameron Latou at, at tight end. This is a kid that like there was all spring. You've heard like, he's actually been like, you know, like the standout of the offense at times um, and been like, you know, the, the biggest pleasant surprise, I guess. And, you know, you, I think in the second quarter, maybe it was the first quarter, he has a 59 yard touchdown catch. So. I thought the secondary looked pretty good. Um, Jalen Armour Davis, I think he's going to be really mm-hmm. good. Um, my favorite, this is an early <laughs> favorite for favorite name, Jaquincy McKinstry. That ain't his name. Say his name, Tyler. Jaquincy McKinstry. Come on. No. Now. Kool-Aid. Oh, that's his name? Okay. <laughs> his name no, is Kool-Aid. Said- wow, I didn't know that. Okay, so I, I was saying this earlier, and like I, I saw when he was being recruited, um, it, it was like to Quincy and then it said like, like quote Kool-Aid. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> and I think when, he, like when he actually signed, like, you know, how like every team will be like, you know, mm-hmm. just got their letter of intent, you know, fax mm-hmm. in or whatever. Welcome to the, the family. 
it was like, welcome to the family, Kool-Aid. And I was like, oh, really? And she's like, hitting through the brick wall. <laughs> so the best part of the whole weekend, I thought was what you were going to say, uh, Nick Saban doing like splitting time coaching with her uh, also trying to entertain people on a broadcast is fucking incredible television. And I'm not just saying yeah. that as a Bama fan, because yeah. I, I think I compared it on Twitter. I was like, it's like, like he's, he's trying to be charming. And he does pretty well when he's on those broadcasts. Right. And like, he tries to be funny and joke around with them. But at the same time, like in between sentences, he's also screaming at his team because he's, he's trying to coach during the actual scrimmage. So at one point he's, <laughs> He's like talking to Galloway and, and Herb Street. And you just hear him go, God damn it, Kool-Aid. Stop walking on the field. And Nick Saban at the age of 69 yelling out a GD with Kool-Aid in the same sentence. That's just something I didn't know I needed until Saturday. Yeah. And I would say we'll 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 finish this up with uh, what I thought was the best unit on the field, which is the kicking game. God, mother. Okay. Um, real quick, the comparison I wanted to make the Saban thing to is like, it's like you ever been over at your friend's house when they get in, like they just move into a new house and they're giving you the tour of the house, but like their asshole two and three year old or like in the other room, like screaming and like drawing like on the walls with crayons and shit like that. Mm-hmm. That's what it was like watching Nick Saban try to manage both those things during the broadcast. Now um, let's talk about it. Uh, Will Reichert, who was a <laughs> Lou Groza finalist and Bama fans will love to remind you, didn't miss a single field goal last year. Yep. He missed three and he missed all three of them in a row. And the last one he missed was 33 yards. Mm. So we're back. It's we're back. Uh, yep. At, at one point I got on Twitter and Bo Nix was trending in a positive way. And Will Reichert had just missed his third field goal. And I was like, I don't want to live anymore. Also stemming from this game was a highway robbery on Twitter. Do we want to talk about it? We'll just, you know what? I want to give a shout out real quick <laughs> to RJ Young. RJ Young, if you're listening, and honestly, I can only assume you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's got to be. If if you are, if you guys are aren't familiar with RJ Young, I mean, that's fine. Like I wasn't either until he's the he's the guy behind all of the absolute shit lists that are made and rankings that come out from Fox Sports College Football on on social media. And listen, there's no positives to ever making a ranking or a list that you're going to post publicly in the shop, like flat out. So I totally get. From that standpoint, like that's a that's a shit assignment. But a lot of times we'll make these like rankings, and, and and there's just always one glaring mistake. Like, who do you think the breakout player for 2021 will be? And it'll be like Trevor Lawrence. Like, no, like he's <laughs> it's like a guy that's like that guy was a Heisman finalist. Like, what are we talking about? So, um, and he's I guess he's I, going to the NFL this year. <laughs> well, that was just a bad example, but yeah, like, no. but it's always it's always like one glaring like. Who's right. the best team to never win a national championship? And it's like, is it the, you know, 2004 Georgia Bulldogs? Like, who, what? What What did they do? So, uh, yeah, I guess I yeah had... they were nine and three, but I mean, <laughs> you got to look at these games, dude. You got to look at these games. Yeah, yeah. I have them right up there with. So, um, anyway, like, I, I guess I had, uh, it's the best way to put this, um, disagreed with him publicly enough times on Twitter. Uh, and I'm sure I didn't do it in a kind way um, that he blocked me on Twitter a while back. And this is a guy that like, again, Fox sports, like, like big, you know, at least a big platform. I'm not sure. What did, what did you do? Do you know? I'm sure I was just a dick about his stupid rankings. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, like, I mean, I'm a sarcastic, I'm a sarcastic person, but it's like, it comes from a place of love. Anyway, I get a text from our buddy, uh, Karen Cantor. He goes, Hey, do you know RJ young? 
I was like, yeah, he blocked me on Twitter. Why? And he goes, I think he stole your meme. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I made a meme about the Nick Saban in that pastel pink polo, or I mean, a uh, jacket about him going to Golden Corral. And, and like, you know, he looks like he was late getting there because like the, the sermon ran late. And so he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he stole it. It's like almost like verbatim. I was like, I'm sure it's not like, surely not. The guy blocked me. Sure enough. <laughs> we'll post the link later. RJ Young does a YouTube video. And, and this is like, somebody has been doing comedy. I celebrated my 10 year anniversary doing comedy a week ago. This was unbelievable to watch unfold. Cause he, he not only did it, he, he stole it verbatim, but he did it like kind of like leading up to it. Like, like he was trying to like set up the timing of it and everything. Like it was his fucking joke. He's like, I tell you what, man, it's the crazy thing for me. It was like, he, he, the, he looked like when you go to golden corral and you you're late and you get there. Cause and the line's already there because the service ran late. Am I right? And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Shout out RJ. Young. Oh, that's incredible. Um, all right, let's go down to Baton Rouge. Um, yes. So a lot of new stuff going on down there. Obviously, two new coordinators. wasn't the best Five of seasons. Coaches. wasn't the best of seasons following up at what was an epic twenty nineteen season for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got Durante Jones coming in as the D coordinator. Comes in from the NFL. Was the DB coach for the Vikings. Um, right. And you're not going to really show much defensively in a spring game but it seemed like at least the defense was playing a little bit more inspired than they did under Bo Pelini um yeah (laughs) that that bar was set pretty low but yes so hopefully that that carries over to the fall if you're a Tigers fan the D-line looked good uh and not so coincidentally the DBs also looked good they had five picks in this game including one from Stingley um O-line didn't look great I think that's been kind of a theme here, though, in the spring games. So maybe it's just because you're not getting a lot of continuity because you're kind of, you know, you got a first-team defense going against a second-team O-line. But Yeah. Re- like, so I didn't get to watch this game live, but reading the reviews of it and then going back and watching it, it was like, you know that meme where it's like the girl who's like trying like some like fucking soda and she's like, mm, mm, no, oh, pretty good. Like, hopefully you guys can visualize that. Uh because that was a pretty bad description. But that's exactly what this entire game felt like, because it was like, oh, wow, dude. I mean, like, Keishon Butte had had a ridiculous first half, right? Another like, I mean, he phenomenal finished, name, too. He's It's the best name in the SEC. And I hot here's my second can, hot take. Can you imagine uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Jaquincy McKinstry, guarding Keishon Butte? Come on, on now. Kool-Aid on that booty? Come on now. Let's go, Let's go. boy. <laughs> um, no, I can't wait. Like, I just, but he also, and I said this last year, and, and like, he's one of my favorite players in the SEC. And, and second hot take, he's this year's Elijah Moore because I don't know if he's going to be on a team that is in the SEC or national championship, but this kid is so good and he makes that offense so much better and he's so much fun to watch. And he has so much fucking swag and confidence. And he, he honestly, like, like you should look up his pictures, like on, on Google, just Google his name, right? And mm-hmm. every picture, he looks like, exactly how i feel like i would act if my last name was Butte. i mean it's just it's so confident i, I love this kid so much he's gonna be awesome but he, yeah he had you know 11 catches for 162 yards had one touchdown um and it just did the same shit he was doing for most of last season and kind of flew under the radar because of how bad their season was but he i mean this this kid is going to be i'd say probably a top three receiver in the league minimum awesome yeah <laughs> 
Awesome. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's 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 gonna be great. I mean, LSU, they're they're not um, necessarily um, used to not having awesome receivers. I feel like every year you got some right. absolute stud at LSU. He's just the next in line. John Trey Kirkland, uh, yeah, played for both teams. So maybe that's why he had sixteen catches for two hundred nine yards and two touchdowns. So, so. <laughs> That like that's just like a dream. Like you know, it, it's like almost like the game's about to start. It's like, all right, who wants to be all time QB? Like what? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I played yeah, both I mean, ways. Oh, sick! You played <laughs> offense. You know, I played up offense on both teams. Actually, didn't yeah. miss a snap, except for on defense. <laughs> like what? Um, yeah. yeah, his he had two hundred nine yards. Um, and again, this was like like I'm going through this at the end. I'm like, God, like that receiving core because you, it's so much better. And like an offense can run so much more efficiently. And also. There's nothing, especially a young quarterback like Brad Johnson Jr., who is also 43 years old. Um, there's nothing better for a young quarterback than having a second go-to guy, right? Like, besides a good offensive line. But you don't want to just be like constantly looking at one one receiver. We saw how you know that worked for Jalen Hurts back in 2017 or whatever it was. So I, I thought I thought they looked great. I was bummed that we didn't see more out of the running game. Um and, you know, I was happy to see Stingley get a pick because that was bizarre watching him fall off so much last year. And I think there were a lot of reasons involved that weren't necessarily his fault. But um, I think the biggest surprise for me was you look at the numbers the receivers put up. Usually you would think that, that would go along with some really great numbers from the quarterbacks. Right. But not. So. Well, I think it's obviously a two-man race. Finley and mm-hmm. the freshman, Nussmeyer, had like, I think, five picks between the two of them yeah not great um so so yeah so max johnson and miles brennan i i still don't think that either one has separated themselves though you know what did i call him i didn't call him max johnson brad johnson jr (laughs) (laughs) you know what that's his name from now on he honestly looks older than brad johnson senior so (laughs) yeah yeah, brad johnson jr looked fine um miles brennan i i I want to see what Miles Brennan looks like. Like Miles Brennan, still, if you look back at the numbers from the SEC last year, I think it was going into November. He still had more touchdown passes than like Bo Nix, and and I want to say you know it was like top six or seven in the league. I, I think he could still be really good. He's just got to be more consistent in putting this together. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this year, I think they're going to take a step back up this year, but we'll see how far. I mean, it's going to be a tough division. Another one. They're going to take division. a step back. Step back up. Okay. Back up to, you know, not obviously to 2019 levels, yeah. but yeah. Oh, and real there. quick, want to shout out to one of our listeners, a big LSU fan, Mickey Sheremy. He's one of my, my good friends. Uh, love this dude. He's let us go down to, uh, there a couple years ago for the Auburn game. Get ready to be jealous here, Tyler. Mickey is playing um, golf on Tuesday at the TPC course in, uh, in New Orleans in a pro-am. Oh, wow. <laughs> Somehow got hooked up, and I was like, we were catching up the other day on the phone. I was like, what have you been up to, man? He's like, oh, man, I'm playing golf on Tuesday. I was like, oh, oh that's yeah. cool. Oh, yeah, the, uh, they got the tournament there this weekend. The yeah. Uh, Zurich, yeah. Oh, that's cool. God. Yeah, that is- what a casual like flex, though. Just like, oh, I'm that- playing in a pro-am. So here's the thing. I don't know about you, but like, I can't even tee off if the, the group behind us has like no. pulled up, and they're like waiting for us to tee off. So to have more than one person watching me, like even on on T one when the starters sitting yeah. there, ninety seven year old man's like checking us in. Even him watching me tee off scares the shit out of me. So yeah, as it should, you know that guy so, hits it straight as shit, like forty to be, yards. To be in a pro am would be terrifying. 
but you know, anyway, well, shout out to him. Mickey. Sorry we yeah. shit on your entire accomplishment. No, no, no. I'm saying good for him. Yeah. I'd, I'd bow out. I'd be like, yeah, sorry, I can't make it. <laughs> you do like a confidence ranking, uh, like a power <laughs> ranking, like like from teeing off with like just zero nerves, ice water in the veins, to oh. like running from the cops like Baker Mayfield. Let's do that some other time. Anyway, moving on. Let's get down to Auburn. Yeah, your favorite school. Um, Bo Nix. Is he good? The question is about. <laughs> so, like, okay, Bo Nix is, I, I finally figured this out. Bo Nix is, remember that, that stupid fucking thing we saw on Facebook a couple years ago where it's like, hey, look at this dress. Is it blue and black or is it oh, white yeah. and gold? And, yeah. and everyone was like, I was like, oh, that's white and gold. They're like, no, you dumb fucking idiot. It's blue and black. And like, what just happened? Why are we doing this? That's Bo Nix. Like, Bo Nix is that dress. Because I I don't know what he is. I, I have no idea from a day-to-day basis if he's going to be good. It, mainly from sat like since Saturday. Because I thought on a pretty daily basis for the last two years that he was not good. But rave reviews coming coming out of Auburn about Bo Nix and how much he's progressed already uh, under Brian Harson. Um, and also, I, I tell you what, like, when I was reading all that, and I was like, oh, okay, well, like, what did he do? Like, he put up, like, a, just crazy stats. And he was 12 of 20 for 112 yards, um, which is good. And so I, I wasn't blown away by that. Um, but I'd say the, the biggest and most impressive thing, I think, for a kid like this is he was he was one of, like I think, the captains for the team and also leading the team in stretches, which means it's his team, right? Year three, he's he's got, I think, control of the team, and and it's, he's a guy that at least they look up to and, and trust as a leader. Um from what we're hearing. So that's, that's a huge, huge positive. And again, as a new coach, there's nothing you can ask for that would be better than that. Besides wins and like injuries for your rival. Um, well, you could wish for a guy like Tank Bixby to be running the ball because that dude is nasty. He's is okay. Is he the best running back in the SEC? Yes. (laughs) First, get the safe side. Um, Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I, Honestly, I think that when I when I read the stat line, I felt like I read it in the same way that I watch him run, which is just like he's so effortlessly impressive, right? Like seven run, like seven carries, sixty four yards, and a touchdown. Like I guarantee you, if they gave, gave him twenty carries, he would have like flat out demoralized that that defense. Like that defense would have been therapy this entire offseason. That's probably why they only gave him seven carries. Um, I think, man, like that that give that kid the ball, it, like what 25 times a game minimum when i was watching the highlights and i know they don't have the same body type but he reminds me a lot of nick chubb just like punishing runs and then absolute speed you know once he's already broken four tackles like and and bounces off from tackles that like like it makes the defender look bad almost every single time and then you go back and watch it's like oh that guy got there he's like in position like it, it wasn't like he you know like didn't want like he like didn't want like to take the hit the kid just bounces off all of them it's it's crazy it's he's got to stay healthy not only because he's the best player on the team but yeah Auburn only has three scholarship running backs which is probably slightly a problem when you play in the sec and you're taking a punishment every week uh sean yeah. shivers also look good um but that is going to be where harson is going to butter his bread oh, please don't ever say that again that was weird but I would agree. You'll eat your cornbread. What, <laughs> what a God, underrated movie there. Um, also, I will say this too. I, 
I'm I'm excited for Brian Harson, and and I'm going to um, like I'm not gonna you know talk shit about him just because I cheer for Alabama, but I also finally came to rev- like a, a revelation about who Brian Harson is because if you saw any of the pictures, he's got like like the fierce dad Oakley's on, and he's got this like constant like like grimace like he but I don't feel like he's like that dude like he's not like that angry all the time but he's like just kind of like flexing all the time. Brian Harson is the fucking like the absolute worst 12 and under travel baseball coach that you are <laughs> very familiar with growing up with, or, or, you know, with your kids might be playing now. That's who he is. I think as a person, like we did a joke last year in the pod, me and Connor about how, um, you know, like Gus Malzahn being new Gus, like just, you know, letting, let it fly. And what would new Gus be like just riding in, you know, to Waffle House late at night, ordering the whole damn menu and riding off on a Harley with smoking, just ripping cigs. This is who Brian Harson is. Like he just, I don't know about this ripping cigs because he's, he's a church man. But I mean, that's exactly what he looks like. He looks like he'd be the perfectly casted football coach in a movie. Like that's like, not like a great movie, like a serious movie, like a turn the team against them. Like not another teen movie. Like he's like the, right. The coach in that or something like that yeah so uh but uh, you know we'll see what happens with auburn i mean i i've said it harson was an interesting fit i'm not gonna say it's good or bad yet it's just seemed like an interesting I mean, hire jokes aside about how he looks like or, or you know <laughs> the stuff like that that doesn't really matter and just being fun about it yeah. um all positive reviews from people around the program and and flat out those people know a lot more about what's going on down on the plains than i do so yeah. i think those are i think those are all positive things that came out of auburn and honestly this is kind of perfect because like auburn's at their best and i don't think it's just a gus Malzahn thing but auburn's at their best when everyone in the conference and or country is kind of like overlooking them and that's exactly what's happening right now and that's also happening last dig we're going to get in here is because brian harson looks like every single person i've ever seen grab the back of their wife's arm outside of an old navy so Ooh. there you go <laughs> Very specific. All right. Let's go down to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it, Chris. Tell me about Arkansas. Woo! Last game of the day. You talking about just a, a day of football. Um, okay. So <laughs> it was an up and down. Like I think there we're gonna see a continued improvement under Sam Pittman. I, I love what he did in year one. Um and you know, like I, Felipe Franks, people shit on Felipe Franks all the time, but it was very, very evident um, that Felipe Franks' absence this year is gonna is gonna hurt a little bit. Um, it's year two under Kendall Bryles as the OC, which I think they'll they'll still make progress. And they have probably the most underrated receiving core in the entire country. I mean, their receiving core is 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 maybe just it's probably not as talented as uh, maybe Bama or um, or Georgia, but I, I it's probably the top three and not top two in, in the conference from a talent standpoint, they're going to be really good there. Um, that being said, the quarterback play was, you were hoping a guy was, would finally emerge as the starter, your last scrimmage of the, the spring. And then also, um, you know, heading into the off season, these numbers from KJ Jefferson, um, Emily Cornsby, just pretty pedestrian. Uh, mm-hmm. it was, it was six of 11 for like a hundred and, um, they had 169 total yards for, uh, for, excuse me, Jefferson. Um, and what I was really expecting to see more than anything was not, not elite quarterback play, not a great defense or, or whatever else, but I thought the receivers 
would look a lot better than they did. And, and some of the, like the, the big name receivers that we've, we've seen over the past couple of years with them. But what we got instead was the new Julian Edelman. Slave His Bowl. last name is Crazy. literally White. <laughs> <laughs> John David White uh, had five catches for 87 yards. Um, and it, but you know what it does in this scene too? Like it was great for that kid because I think he's a former walk-on. But um, And I hope I'm not talking on my ass here because I'm pretty sure he's a former walk-on. It just continues to make Arkansas the, the most likable team in the SEC outside of maybe what, Ole Miss? Like, you remember how in 2019, nobody hated LSU. Like, I, right. like I'm, a, I'm a Bama fan. Like, they, you know, they, they, they beat us. Like, they were so much fun, right? They were so yeah. much fun. It's hard not to like that team. How, how do you not – how would you not like Sam Pittman, right? Like, yeah. I, I – the only thing I think he would ever do that would make me upset is like take like the last bit of fried okra at the, the golden pantry in front of me in, in Milledgeville, Georgia, which actually happened. He didn't do it. I'm just projecting, but I, I like him as a coach, the, the, the players they have like a receiver trailer Burks, everything like that, that fan base just like itching to finally turn that corner and get back to like, you know, not winning football, but at least respectable football. Cause they're also a team that was screwed over so many times last year by the refs. But you have a a walk-on receiver that has this, this kind of day, and people love that feel-good story. And also a walk, a former walk-on um at, at linebacker who ended up becoming a third team all-American last year. I, I just I, I love what's happening in Fayetteville. And I love that we're still in the stages too. I, this is gonna come off as like a backhanded compliment. I love that we're in the stages still where Pittman doesn't have to perform for like, you know, for us to still think like positively about the of like the potential and where this this program is like projected sure well it's the it's the best probably the best division in the sport right now so it's going to be tough to make major waves um but right. phenomenal i thought arkansas as compared to expectations last year was probably one of the top two three uh first year coaches coaching yeah. jobs in the country for sure so yeah. um you know, there's going to be a fire Sam Pittman joke from RJ Young after this podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then there was one more game on Saturday. We'll wrap it up. Starkville, the number eight team in the country. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, <laughs> kind of interesting interesting stuff going on. Like Mississippi State, I don't know what Mike, Mike Leach does. Like he's He's basically like – he doesn't look like it at all, but he's basically a fucking Kardashian because no matter what he does, he just stays in the news and is always interesting. And people, people want to talk about or watch Mike Leach. And a lot of times it's not that great, right? Like it's, it's, I don't know if you ever watched an episode of the Kardashians, but it is pretty fucking awful. Um, I have, I have the not great. No, let's do a top five, like worst episodes ever real quick. Uh, no, but I think Mike Leach, there was so much buzz around him, especially with Kiffin uh, being in the same state as like those new hires in Mississippi last year. Um, and he gets that first big win at LSU and we're super excited for it. And, and he's a, I don't want to say charismatic guy. Cause he's kind of not, but he's, he's like the drunk uncle of your family. That's going to say something entertaining at some point, right? You just need to wait and see for it. This game was uh, kind of underwhelming. It started out pretty great. Will Rogers was was pretty good on the first drive, I thought, and, and looked like he had improved going into year two because because he actually was second, I believe, in the SEC in completion percentage last year as a true freshman. Um, now, a lot of that has to do with the scheme they run and the short, quick throws. Mm -hmm. But 
it was, it ended up being, in my opinion, kind of a disappointing day, um, which is nothing as their own fault. But when you look at like the end of the first quarter and you have your, your top leading receiver, Jaden Wallach um, goes down with an injury. It looks a lot more serious than it was. It ended up just being a sprain MCL. He goes out and then you're kind of stuck with, you know, this like dink and dunk offense. Like we're not seeing the big plays and big points scored from this Mike Leach offense and really didn't that much last year. Um, and it's just weird that, you know, we're, we're going into the second year here and they still, their, their identity as a team is on defense. Yeah. That's not going to be there forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Mike Leach was another hire in the SEC. I just, I never thought it was really, I, I just don't think his offense long-term will work in the SEC, but if we're ready to move on, ESPN thinks differently. Okay, so that was one of the things we want to talk about, and I'm sorry to not try to skate over that game specifically, no. um, but it, it brings us to like a, a much better topic involving Mississippi State, which is I don't think people last year, the way it started versus the way it ended, could not be two more different things. Like you open up with a win against the defending national champs on national television, KJ Costello. Who again, if anyone has heard from KJ Costello, please call the cops immediately. Cause we he's been missing for like almost eight months now. And we've put out a lot of pictures on fucking milk cartons. And and like there's been, I can't even tell you how many Amber alerts, but if you've seen KJ Costello, please let us know. He set an SEC, an all-time SEC record for like most passing yards in a game. And then they just proceeded to be awful <laughs> for like the rest <laughs> of the season. And they end up going to a bowl game and they win the bowl game. And it ends with a, with a fight, <laughs> like, a, like a fight fight. Yeah. Uh, like it's also, so it, like that's a team that didn't end on the highest note, but if you've ever looked into the numbers of a Mike Leach team year one to year two, there isn't a, a jump for, for every team he's coached where like he's had you know, a handful of 10 win seasons. Mike Leach is, I think actually a perfect for Mississippi state because I've always said they're, they're both, they both are kind of like an eight and four, eight and five team. Right. Um, but they're exciting and they're going to, they're always going to knock off. It seems like one team, right. Uh, every year. That being said, Mike Leach, their offense, Mike Leach, an offense, um, a Mike Leach offense at, on average from year one to year two gains 7.6 points per game. There's a bump every single year oh, wow. uh, from year one to year two mm-hmm. on an offense. So, yeah, I think I think there's some positives to that. I think that like, you know, getting to a different year where he's not dealing with so much. There's so much shit going on with that team last year. With like, I love Kyle and Hill to death, but you got to think of like just from like like the political climate of what was going on uh, in that state, and then you know having your best player Kyle and Hill kind of opt out uh, halfway through the season. I, I think that he's a difficult personality to get along with, and he, I'm sure he's going to rub people the wrong way at times. But year two, kind of having your guys in there, yeah, that's going to be super helpful. And also understanding how complex of a system that is, um, you know, I, I think that'll also be super helpful. Is it worth number eight in the country? Because that's where they were ranked in the FPI. Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> like I, that was <laughs> yeah. that was so surprising. Uh, yeah, I, I I saw that. I mean, between that and we talked about this before the podcast, but Iowa State being four. Uh, I had some. I wasn't bothered by that. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting list. Yeah, so um, biggest surprise, I think, a lot of people immediately jumped to the Mississippi State thing, and, and I get why because that is, I mean, preseason top, <laughs> top ten Mississippi State is doesn't happen a lot. Um, 
And I'm not saying that that's egregious that they possibly won't get there, but I think that is obviously that was a surprise. The surprise for me was on the other side, which was a team like Georgia being yeah, down at low. seven. Yeah, yeah like I, I don't. Way too low. I, I don't know. And if you ever look at these, like the, like the actual FPI stuff, it's it's kind of fascinating because you know they have their projected win totals, and and it's like eleven point one, and and they have mm-hmm. like you know their their percentage chances of getting to. Um, of getting to six wins, to winning the division, to winning, you know, winning out, winning uh, the conference, the national title, getting the playoff, all that kind of stuff. It's all in there. I, I, Georgia at seven is an absolute fucking joke. Yeah. Well, they project them to go basically nine and three or 10 and two. I mean, they're not going nine and three this year unless something with injuries happens. Have you seen their schedule? Yeah. It's, I mean, they open with Clemson. I get it. I, I think they're going to win that game. Well, Say it's a loss. Just say it's yeah. a loss, right? But okay, it's so like the rest of the the rest of the season. Like, how many new coaches in the SEC are are in the the East alone? Their their schedule is is doable. I'll say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Please. after that Clemson game, their out of conference is UAB, Charleston Southern, and Georgia Tech. Don't don't see any of those games being very competitive. Right. Um, you know, obviously they go cross to Arkansas, which we, you know, we've said they're going to be improved, but, but I mean, that's, if you're playing someone from the West, I got to think Arkansas uh, is one of the teams that you'd like to face rather well, than Mississippi State. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Mississippi State put them pretty close last yeah. year, but, but yeah, I, I would, I could see that. So, I mean, I don't see how you have them at seven. I, I mean, I would have them probably at two or three, honestly. So, and I'm glad you said that number because literally every other fucking person that has had a preseason ranking has had it at two or three. Yeah. And, and listen, I get it. Like I, I know there were Florida fans that celebrated this, like it was their own national title because it was just like, <laughs> like, I mean, the numbers are very, very low. It like, it's not seeing, and I know he's been there for a short amount of time, but like seeing a Kirby smart team in the preseason, especially projected under 10 wins is it's just, Kind of odd, just kind of odd. So I, I thought that was a pretty egregious overlook. AM, I thought was also interesting, and nobody's talking about this, which is weird because the past couple off seasons you've seen fans for whatever reason love to hate on on AM and how they mm-hmm. underachieve and all that kind of stuff, and blah blah blah. AM is is currently ranked sixth ahead of Georgia. So I I, I mean I get Bama being at one because I, I get that they have earned it and they they continuously reload, but if we're being honest, like I, the way their schedule is, I, I could, I could much, I could see a, a Bama winning only 10 games a lot more than I could see Georgia winning only 10 games. Okay. Well, look at Texas and scheduled to open the season. Kent, Kent state, Colorado, the guy New, sucks. New Mexico, Arkansas, Mississippi state before they play Bama. I mean, that's, They'll be undefeated rolling uh, or when when Tuscaloosa. Let me let me let me try that again, Chris. <laughs> you killing when, tonight. <laughs> when Alabama rolls into College Station, that's yeah. going to be a big big matchup. But this is, I mean, Kellen Mond obviously leaves, so they're breaking in a new QB. But they like like I just said, I mean, they're going to have five games where that's kind of how you'd want to set up when you're breaking in a new. Yeah. QB. Yeah. So, they got to go to LSU, right? Who's their mm-hmm. crossover? Uh, uh, who's that to play over from the East? Because last year they had Florida, um, but they won that game. They're at Mizzou, which is that every year? No. No? <laughs> I figured it might be since they were both out of the I don't same think year. so. 
but because they got Mizzou and South Carolina. So South Carolina is every year. South Carolina, that's okay. a trophy game in the SEC, which is the dumbest oh, fucking game I've ever heard in my life. But, um, but yeah, so and then also, again, like like going just going through the list um, throughout the SEC and, and where everyone's ranked, uh, we'll just rattle them off here. Um, you have Bama 1, AM at 6, UGA 7, Mississippi State 8, Florida 14, uh, Auburn at 16, LSU 18, Ole Miss 22, Arkansas 29, Mizzou 34, Kentucky 39, Tennessee 48, South Carolina 68 and Vandy at 93. So there weren't that many surprises. It's always weird. Yeah. Honestly, that's pretty, it's pretty generous. generous. Um, <laughs> they didn't win a single game last year. They were awful. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I took the under, yeah. I took the season win total under, and I think it was two and a half or one and a half or something. Yeah. I took the under <laughs> the hook this year. It might just be a hook. I don't know. Um, no, but, but like I tell you the ones that jump out to me the most, I would love it if Arkansas somehow like can can be right outside of top twenty five and, and turn that corner as a program. Kentucky at thirty nine seems way too low. Thirty four with Missouri also seems possibly low because I thought they were really good last year with with uh, in the first year under Drinkwitz. They brought in a lot of talent and and um, in the transfer portal and also from the recruiting classes. I think they're going to be better than people think. The one I'm most interested in, man, who is going to be? Because I'll tell you right now, it's not going to be Mississippi State. Okay, I'm just I hate to burst everyone's bubble. Um, who is going to be the the second or third best team in the SEC? Like, is it really going to be A and M or you look at Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss? Ole Miss has so much momentum going into into year two, and I think a lot of people it's like a trendy pick. That you LSU Ole Miss game, the second or third best team in the entire SEC or in the division? I mean, SC West, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, not in a rude way, but there are, you know. The, the power shift goes back to the West this year at an overwhelming amount because yeah. going to the, the conference alone, I'm not going basing off these rankings outside of Georgia. I would think that I would take one, two, probably four minimum four teams from the West before I would take like, you know, Florida. break ahead of the second best team in the SEC. I don't think that, I don't think Florida is the second best team in the, in the East this year either. I think it's going to be Kentucky. And I know people have been saying that for three years in a row, but wow. I really think that 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 team is a Florida just loses so much talent, man, and and Kentucky is a team that returns a lot and has always, you know, they've been really good the past couple of years. Not really good, but I don't know. I don't think I can get on board with that, but I can see where you come from. All right. Glad I brought it up then. Um, yeah, so it should be interesting. Uh, we wanted to bring that up because there were some definite shockers in there. Um, yeah. All right, Chris, your favorite moment of the week. Yeah, I'll take it from here, Tyler. You've been just absolutely electric with this energy tonight. So we are going to talk about um, – it's drunk history, dude. You're not even drinking tonight. I have three drinks in front of me. I'm about to open the third one. It's canned rosé. I'm trying to uh, – I, I never really thought this would be a political statement, but I'm getting oh, my second oh. vaccination on Tuesday, and I've been told hydrate as much as you can before that, bitch, because – yeah, it knocks you out. It could be bad. So I've been drinking. I'm slamming water uh, all day Fair today, enough. tomorrow, and Tuesday. Well, we, we do have the second installment of Drunk History, and I'm pretty excited for it because um, the whole premise of this segment is, you know, it's the offseason. Let's learn about college football, and it could be anything, like, you know, programs, rivalries, players, coaches, any, you know, any and or all the above. Um but wanted you guys to kind of direct, you know, where where we go with this every week, and and throughout or throw out some um, ideas for what to cover, and then we'll do the deep dive into it. 
This week, it's brought to you by our good friend Noah Sims from the Facebook group. Noah's a great dude, even though he's an Auburn fan. And he came up with the best one, in my opinion, this week of, of all the suggestions, which was, do you remember in 1996, the night the barn burned, Tyler? Have you ever heard of this? I've not heard this story, and I'm very excited for you to tell it to me. I remember watching this on TV. Um, and <laughs> this was, again, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the exact date. But the night the barn burned, it's, I think a lot of SEC fans probably remember this night. It is in 1996. You have number 15 Auburn playing number 21 LSU. Great robbery every year uh, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And lo and behold, in the first quarter, a fucking fire breaks out. Like you're, you're watching the game, and I'm pretty sure this is like when Ron Godfrey and um, or Ron Franklin and, and Mike Godfrey were on the call. So you have this like obnoxious Yankee accent, and like Ron Godfrey like, oh, looks like there's a fire over there. Um, and so, so they're showing the game, and like right behind, like I mean, like it looks like the stadium's on fire, like black smoke everywhere, and and it's it's very close to the stadium. Um, and so by all means, it looks like the stadium had caught on fire, and they just kept playing. They just kept, and, and there's people like you know how you see like when the games like packed, you see people like lined up watching the game, like on like the, uh, you know, this little what do they call it, like the what are the circle things are? I'm not going to describe this well. It's a little like circle cylinder walk up thing to get to the oh, higher, yeah, yeah. highest seats yep. in the upper deck. Mm -hmm. It's like a little DNA model. Anyway, there's people right there watching the game that are like, I don't know, 70 yards from the field and the fire. <laughs> um, and so what ended up happening was it was uh, Auburn's old sports arena, which was opened like, like 46. They're about to actually tear it down. And it was nicknamed the barn. So, mm -hmm which is perfect because for Auburn, especially sure. um, it was still being used for women's gymnastics. Okay. Uh, it was then called the beard Eves Memorial Coliseum, which beard Eves, one of my favorite power couples in the history of Auburn athletics. Uh, it is scheduled to be demolished. The barn state of execution was moved up uh, September 21, 1996. And it was because of a tailgating mishap where there were a lot of people that would tailgate, I guess. And this was like a heavy tailgated area close to the stadium. And somebody left a grill on is what they think happened. And it somehow caught fire <laughs> to this whole building. And a mat, I mean, again, like you need to, we'll post the link to it. You need to go see the videos, but I mean, a massive complete fucking fire. We're like, by all means, they should have stopped the game. They should have absolutely stopped the game. But they're like, that's fine. Whatever. Anyway. All right. Second three. Like, <laughs> hey, what? It just means more. Just means more. You, you remember the, you remember the, uh, what was that? <laughs> Like the Cincinnati Reds host last year who said uh, something either like racist or homophobic. It was something yeah. really bad. And a, and a drive to left field by Castellanos. Hey, and that's exactly. out of the park. <laughs> if, you, if, if you missed it, that's like basically what was happening here minus like the homophobic <laughs> slurs. It, it was like he it, in the middle of the broadcast, they're like, oh, it's us. that's a lot of smoke. And and they just get back to the game. Where the same thing that Reds announcer was like, he said something horrific and is, is giving this on air apology where, cause he's obviously in huge trouble and people are calling for his job during the game. So he's like, I'm so sorry. I, I've worked for this company forever. And in the middle of his stupid fucking apology, someone hit a home run. <laughs> so like, as he's apologizing for being a trash bag human being, he's like also a long deep fly ball to left field and home run. Get out of here. Anyway, I want to just uh, apologize one more time to Megan Rapinoe. It was like, what? <laughs> so that's basically what was happening during this game. And they just kept playing the whole time. So, you know, people think we, we don't give Auburn a lot of credit sometimes as band fans. Shout out to Auburn and the fire department because, again, very, very close to the stadium. 
And um, they were able like it lasted for most of the night, but they were finally able to put it out. Um, but they had to they had to pull water from almost every single building in the stadium to keep it at bay while this thing burned. And and then it it didn't ever impact the stadium, but it may have impacted the game because in, in a very big game when you don't want any distractions and you literally have a fucking bonfire going off in the in the background. Auburn ends up getting their starting quarterback, Damian Craig hurt in the fourth quarter. They bring in a backup. Um, and <laughs> it's Damian Craig. Oh, Damian Craig. They, they LSU ended up winning 19 to 15. Um, and when Damian went out in the fourth quarter, they brought in a backup named John Cooley, who um, now is my favorite quarterback in Auburn history. Cause he came in for one quarter of action through two interceptions and lost the game. Both interceptions were, were returned for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Or one was like a two-point conversion, but still. So an incredible game. You guys have to go check out this video too because it is the most bizarre just sequence of events. And it's also 1996, so we weren't like – I think now it would have been like CNN would have been like, listen, somebody's yeah. rioting at the at the barn. But no, it's, it's – <laughs> anyway, that's your Drunk History Moment of the Week. Fantastic suggestion. Just another great story in the SEC that just proves the motto – has always lived. It, it just means more. Football means more than, you know, buildings and potential Third degree in the burns. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go uh, to the game, dude? No. <laughs> last time I went, I almost caught on fire. That was one time, dude. It was one time. <laughs> uh, let's get, let's close the show with the uncensored moment of the week. We each have one. I'll start. I think yours is yeah, better you than mine. But I wanted to give a shout out to Evan Russell. He's uh, plays for Tennessee. Hit three home runs against number two Vandy this this weekend uh, in one game. Two of them off Jack Leiter, who is going to be a top two pick in the MLB draft. Um, Down 4-3 in the eighth. He hit his third home run, a grand slam. Second time this year he's hit three homers in a game. The play is going absolutely bonkers. Because Tim Corbin said after the game, and this is just this is a classic like 2021 line. Well, I guess COVID just doesn't exist in Knoxville. <laughs> so bitter. No, dude, well, like that's it's the Dan Mullen. Like, <laughs> like I said this last year, and I was like, you know, people jump on Mullen. I think Dan Mullen handled press game like or post game press conferences like I would after a loss. Like he's like <laughs> right. super overreactive, very defensive, and like and like just like ready to jump down your throat and like I hey how was the game? Fuck you dude. How was the game? You know we fuck it like like I was just I didn't see the final. I'm just asking a question, Chris. Like, all right, sorry mom. But like, like anything to deflect like yeah because Mullen was like, well man if I, I would love if we could have a full stadium. You know yeah. and then Pack out like, the swamp. <laughs> It's like yeah, Tim Corbin, you know, like it, everything was fine until that, and then you know now it's like a no. Wait, you're thing. also your school is based in Nashville, which has been just like like they have yeah, avoided most of those laws for a very long time. Um, which is I get why, but at the same time, like yeah, like well, I guess bachelorette parties and COVID just don't exist in Nashville. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah. Also, taking yeah, uh, backing off that, I made an ass of myself this weekend because. Actually, what? it's Tom Hart's fault. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I saw this stat because it was a big weekend in SC baseball where uh, on Friday night for Ole Miss Mississippi State, um, top five matchup, there were more people at that game in, at Duty Noble Field in Starkville, Mississippi, than there were for the Yankees game in Yankee Stadium against the Devil Rays or against the Tampa Rays. That's so I was awesome. like, oh, what's, that's pretty crazy. Like, and SEC baseball is is legit. Like, I mean, those stadiums are incredible. The fans are yeah. unbelievably passionate. Um, and, 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 you know, which is awesome to see. 
So I thought somebody that hates the Yankees, especially I was going to like take that information that Tom Hart put out publicly and make a graphic about it. And I spent, as always, about an hour or two too long making the graphic. And when I finally went to post it, somebody was like, yeah, Yankee stadiums at like 15% capacity because of COVID. So this is fucking stupid. And I was like, okay, well, it is, you are right. (laughs) That is, it was a waste of time. Um, My uncensored moment of the week though is, uh, you know, what's the song that came out in 2004 that played everyone's prom? It was the opposite of no. Macy Gray? As we go on. That was vitamin C, you idiot. Macy Gray was <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't know vitamin race C. Of a person was wrong with sorry, you. I didn't know vitamin um, C, bro. <laughs> everyone knows the graduation song, Tyler. Everyone. Anyway, um, we should start closing with that. Anyway, I so. Try to say goodbye. And that's I'm Macy so Gray. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway yeah, i try to hide it okay you gotta stop uh fucking <laughs> finish it tyler say <laughs> no, no we're good okay um just just taste so usher yeah like biggest banger of 2004 2003 was, whatever absolute spring break jam sbo4 spo4 dude you remember <laughs> um usher who it lives in, from atlanta very successful um, I mean, like just just from like the Pitbull songs and collabs he, alone, he did from like 2011 to 2014. He should be rich for the rest of his fucking life. I I came into this story with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder when it came to Ursher Raymond, and because I had met him several times when I worked at Houston's as a bartender there, and had waited on him, and other people that I worked with had waited on him, and we're all starstruck when we see Usher. They call him U S H E R R A Y M O N D. Every time he came in and every single time he came in, he never tipped well ever. Like I can't tell you how many times I got $8 on 124. I'm like this, what percentage could this even be? What was he doing? Why would you want to round off to 132? Usher Raymond was at a strip club this last week and was making it rain, throwing up bills everywhere. As you do when you're at a strip club, Mm -hmm. unless you're like me and you just stick over in the corner with your Amstel lights for $8 a piece. After he left, there was a little bit of a, um, I don't know, a, a ruckus that ensued because they found out that the, the bills that were on the ground and no one noticed it at the time, but until afterwards, but the bills that are on the ground were not real dollar bills. They looked real as shit, right? Especially in a dark strip club. They were Usher bucks. <laughs> what are Usher bucks? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, Tyler, Usher bucks are basically Vandy football points. It's the same fucking thing. It, it, none of it's real. Um, and only assholes usually put them out in public. So Usher had literally printed off hundreds of his own currency with his face on the bills. And it said Usher bucks. And it, it looks legit just like a hundred dollar bill. I, I can't imagine going into a strip club with fake money. And, and so his PR team tried to t- like, you know, uh, twist this immediately afterwards. And he's like, first off, like he was doing it to spread like a positive message with like Usher Bucks. And he went back and tipped all the girls afterwards. I guarantee you he did not. And also, if you're a millionaire that has all of these hit songs, don't print fake money. The only people that should be printing fake money are, I mean, uh, what? Like kids in, in college that are going to be dropouts soon. And also... I would assume anybody that's trying to, to talk to somebody that, they, that doesn't want to talk to them outside of a sporting event that wants to tell you about Jesus. Take this. It's a $1,000 bill. That's not a real fucking thing. That's basically what he was doing. 
Sounds like you got caught up in a little bit of a tizzy there. My least favorite thing you do is when I know you're not listening to the story just so you can, like, you just trunk the whole story. That was better than anything I said. So caught up. <laughs> that was good. Um, you know, after the, I will say after, you know, he came out and he gave his confessions. God damn it. I just, I mean. Hey, you just got to let it burn. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Let's, All right, let's, let's end this before uh, you're, you're fed up, aren't you? God. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right. Let's end it there. I can't have any more puns. Um, anyways, that was a great yeah, episode. Yeah, you could. Hey, it was great to finally get a little bit of football in our lives that, yeah, that somewhat felt meaningful. I can't do the FCS. I've tried. It's just yeah. not great. Um, but as always, please go follow us on Twitter at CFB underscore uncensored. Chris and I are going to make an attempt at getting that account much more live uh five star reviews on apple please go give us a five star review that would be phenomenal and uh, anything else you want to say chris before we wrap this up by the way real quick i'll say one more thing about usher the fact that this man wrote a whole ass song where he was cheating on his girlfriend with another woman and got her pregnant and then slow whisper raps at the end he's like listen like I, i can't believe that i did this i made this mistake but like I hope you can respect my honesty. Like, no, you just got another girl pregnant. <laughs> Fuck your honesty. Like, what are you, Usher, what are you fucking talking about? No amount of Usher bucks is going to get out of, get you out of that, mister. See you later. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next week, guys. <laughs> see ya.